Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. speak today on this subject anything to declare I'm going to call it anything to declare and uh, I think a lot of us I think a lot of us need to understand that there's things that need to be declared I'm going to the book of Luke chapter number 10 today in the NIV it says after this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Say it. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Amen. All right. Verse 10. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go to the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as the warning to you, as a warning to you, you Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Verse 16 says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Amen. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. Amen. And the next verse said, and in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. That word rejoice means agaliaho in the Greek, which means he leaped for joy. Jesus literally leaped for joy because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So I'm going to talk to you today, anything to declare. It won't be lengthy. I trust it will bless you today. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. When your kids are driving you crazy in the summer, they're already probably starting to do that. They've been out now about a month. There are two default responses. One is to declare a universal no. And a lot of parents do that. Mothers, dads, you say no more in the summer than you say all the rest of the year. No, you cannot jump off the roof. No, you cannot drive 200 miles to a rock concert with someone you just met online. No, you cannot see what happens when you put a whole cantaloupe in the microwave and hit five minutes. No. Sometimes no is the right answer. It's the right response. But at other times, the automatic parental default is surprisingly the exact opposite. Need to get restless and rustling kids out from under your feet. You say these four words, go out and play. The directive, go out and play, removes children from a world they're trying to manipulate and orchestrate. Go out and play is a parent speak for drop all the other stuff 
and just go explore life and enjoy the world. It's basically the big yes in life. Big yes. Go out and play is life's big yes. <laughs> Get out of here. From our first Christmas tree extravaganzas when we were kids to even now, we all love the feel and the possession of stuff. We love it. We want to accumulate stuff. We want to accommodate ourselves with stuff. We want the good stuff, but then we want the greater stuff. One phone is not good enough. You've got to get the upgrade, then another upgrade, then another upgrade, then another one. The iPad is not good enough to have one. You've got to have two. And when three and four and all that comes out, you've got to have the best there is. Computers, about every three to six months, you need another one because they're renewing them all the time. We always want more. That's what we're about. More what? More stuff. So it's a hard thing to hear this scripture that I read to you today in the gospel text. Jesus is sending out 72 missionaries for the third time, for th third missionary journey. And he gives his disciples instructions for the road. He tells these trusted troubadours of the kingdom not to take any toys with them. I don't want you to take toys. No stuff. No stuff. They're not to pack up any extras as they undertake their journey. They're not to bring extra money. Listen now. They're not to bring extra clothing. They're not even to bring extra sandals. And even in the first century, shoes are different than packing other stuff because shoes were a necessary item. But in the 21st century terminology, what he means when he says no sandals, he was saying no Game Boys, no platinum cards, no Tom Ford Tuscan leather cologne, no Prada, Prada leather handbags or backup Prince Harry blue suede shoes that I read about recently. None of that. All these accessories only downplay what Jesus told his disciples to bring with him and what Jesus had entrusted them to have with them. He said, I want you to bring three things. I want you to bring my anointing. I want you to take my authority. And I want you to take the message of the kingdom of God. That's what I want you to bring. And today, we must not lose that authority and that ability now. He still wants his anointing to be preached. He still wants his authority to come into play. And he still wants his message of the kingdom of God is now to be preached in this world. And I believe with all my heart, with everything that's in me, we must preach that there is a God that has authority in our life. And that God can touch us with his anointing. And that God has a kingdom that is in this world even right now. Would you say amen to that? Do you believe that God has a kingdom in this world right now? Do you believe that God's kingdom is reigning and ruling in this world right now? I know there's resistance, but God is still on the throne. Say amen to that. There's one time when no one boasts and no one brags, though really, about what they have. And when the less you carry with you, the better off you are. And that's when you're getting off of a plane from an international flight and you enter into a place called customs. And as you approach customs area, you're faced with two choices. There's one line for those who have nothing to declare. I have nothing to declare. And then there's another line, a long, sad, often gridlocked line for those who have something to declare. And we hate to have that because we might have one item but we have to declare it. For those who have stuff, who do not, uh, pardon me, for those who do not have stuff, for those who have nothing to declare, you can cruise through the line. But for people who have something to declare that have stuff, they are at the mercy and the minuscule scrutiny of those who are large 
and in charge with life. So from Luke's word, we hear Jesus admonishing his 72 messengers to take nothing of value with them. Don't take anything of value. For it's not what you possess that matters. It's what you know that matters. So surely you say they, had, they are in that nothing to declare group. They can go through the easy door. No, hold on. It's just the opposite. Because they have a very firm, very specific declaration to make. In fact, they have everything to declare to this generation. And so do we. And so Jesus told them, when you go into a house and there's peace in that home, leave the peace that you have with you with that home. But if you go there and they have no peace, walk out and don't bless that house, but walk out and shake the dust off your feet. Because I'm telling you one thing that you've got to do. You've got to take the gospel of my kingdom to this world. And you've got to do it with my anointing. And you've got to do it with my authority. And you've got to tell people that my kingdom is of this world right now. Amen. And I'm here to do a work. And so we still must preach that every time we get up in the pulpit. There must be a connection between him and us and between his word and our doing in this life. Because he said, I am the head of the church and you're the body of Christ. And we must connect ourselves continually to what he wants us to hear in this life. Say amen to that. When Oscar, poet Oscar Wilde, conducted an American tour in 1882, he was just 27 years old. And the 11th month tour that he did was a lecture tour, was not really a lecture tour, even though he delivered 140 lectures, but it was really a publicity stunt. Because Wilde was only 27 and had a track record as a distinguished author of one failed play. And the last thing you would call him was an international celebrity, but somehow he got to America, delivered 140 lectures, and became a phenomenon. But when Wilde arrived at Staten Island, he was asked by a customs officer if he had anything to declare. And you that study literature know this, his answer. His famous response was, I have nothing to declare but my genius. <laughs> That's all I have to declare. I'd like to ask, what do you have to declare this morning? Now, let me just stop. This is the first Sunday of the second half of the year 2013. I want to stop and ask, has God been good to anybody the first six months? Has God, come on, has God been good to anybody? Did you have a, a decent January? Was February all right? Looking back, looking back, did March do you okay? How about, did anybody get any taxes back in April? How about May? How about June? Has God been good to you this whole half a year? If he hadn't been good to you, I've got news for you. We're having a midterm turnaround locker room halftime speech here right now. Because God wants to give you a second half of the season that's greater than the first half was. And you that had a great first half of the year, God wants to give you an even better second half of the year. I believe that with all my heart. I believe every day with Jesus is better than the day before. Amen. I believe every day you know the Lord is a greater day that you can express the goodness and the severity and the blessing of Almighty God. So anybody had a good year? Anybody got a good half year? Clap your hands right now. Anybody? That's good. So which line do you get in? Do you get in the stuff line or do you get into the Savior line? Which line do you get in? I had a dear friend that used to go to this church and he passed away. And, and, and this December will be six years since he's been a member of this church. And You know, I love the fact that spirits of good people stay in a church. 
And this man's spirit has lingered in this church. He was, he was such a, a, a tremendous gentleman. He's such a great guy. In fact, his picture, if you go to the bookstore, his picture's in the bookstore. He's the older man. And, and then there's a younger kid with him, a younger guy with him that, uh, that left our, our church very early also with, with cancer of the brain. And it was a, it was a sad state of, of situations in our church. But, but the beauty of these two people is that one man was the older image of a great spirit and the other was a younger image of a great spirit and they happened to be best friends one of them was in his 80s when he died when he died the other was in his 20s when he died and they were best friends and their picture is, is in the bookstore even now and uh the older man was named jim bob smart and, and he never went by jim smart it was jim bob jim bob it wasn't bob smart it was jim bob and uh and 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 he had a he had a he had a little saying that he always that he always said that i loved he had a little saying and, 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 and my son-in-law, Damon, can do it better than anybody. He can do it better than anybody. But Jim Bob had, had, had a, a phrase that he always said. He'd always say, well, I declare. Anytime anything kind of stumped him or fooled him or he got blessed by something or something happened, no matter what it was, a question, an answer, a big time, a small time, anytime he had a response, it was, well, I declare. And I've known him since I was a little old bitty boy. And I, I called Vicky and Joe last night, and I said, do you mind if I talk about about your, your dad in the morning, I said, he, he's just a man that, that I just think is so neat. And I love that phrase. You know, you know that comes from the Appalachian people, the, the mountain people, because they always, they always use the phrase, I declare. There was a poet named McGonagall that was uh, known as the most lousy poet that ever lived because he rhymed stuff like fair with I do declare. And they, so they called him a, a, a bad poet. He was from that part of the country. But Jesus used this thing, even, even when he was talking about the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Jesus used this because when the five foolish virgins did not have oil and they went out to buy oil and they came back and the bridegroom had already come and left, Jesus, Jesus looked at them and he said, I do declare, I never knew you. So Jesus had a little bit of that declare business in him. And so this morning, I want to I talk to you just a little bit about some things that that need to be declared, that same things that need to be talked about, some things that we need to declare in our lives and declare in our hearts. Every one of us here this morning, as surely as Jesus sent out the 72 in the first century, he's sending us out with things that we need to declare. Has, has any of you folks ever taken those uh, MMPI tests, those multi-plastic uh, uh, personality inventory tests? Anybody ever taken those? They, when they ask you, see if you're crazy or something, you know? I took one years ago when I lost my wife. I took one of those, and, and, and there was a question on there like, do you believe you're a special agent of the Lord? Well, you know, when, when, if you check yes, you've just tripped the wire that puts you in a delusion of grandeur <laughs> or a messianic complex. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You, you, they think you think you're Christ. But if you feel no in the no circle, you just betrayed your mission. You just say, no, I'm not anybody special. But we are special today. Amen. We are. And it's not a messianic complex. And it's not a delusion of grandeur. We are something special. Everybody say, I'm God's kid today. Amen. I'm the Lord's kid here today. I've been created by God. So Christ's messengers, whether sent out in the first century or sent out by Jesus in the 21st century, are confronted by a world that asks at every turn, do you have anything to declare? And we say, what line do we get in? Do I declare my stuff? Or do I declare my Savior? Do I declare what I possess? Or do I declare what I know? Do I declare what I fill my house with? Or do I declare what I'm holding on to for the coming of Jesus Christ? What do I declare? 
I will tell you what you need to declare today. When you go into this world, Jesus said, if you don't have raiment, if you don't have clothes, if you don't have that kind of fulfillment of life, he said, you have something that the world cannot take away from you. You have the kingdom of God. You have my presence and my power with you. And I'm not preaching a poor man's gospel here today. I'm just saying, when everything else is gone and you still have Jesus, you have everything you need in this life. When you're at a casket and your wife is gone, when your kids walk away, when your family betrays you and you still got Jesus, you've got something to declare today to the world. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. I'm preaching Jesus in the house today. There's a beautiful story in the, in the book of Genesis. Chapter 12 is the first part of it. Chapter 20 is the second part. Sorry to holler. Man, I love preaching Jesus. Woo, I love preaching Jesus. He saved my soul. Anybody say amen to that? He redeemed my life. Anybody say amen to that? He brought me out of darkness. Anybody say amen to that? Wow, wow, wow. Beautiful story. Kind of tragic, but it is, it, it, it's a splendid story because it's about Abraham, the father of faith. And I want, I want to say something to you people. Some people think because you make a mistake or something, you don't make a mistake that God's just going to, he's going to knock me off my pedestal. He's going to take everything away from me. Let, me. let me preach to you. Abraham was the father of faith. But in Genesis chapter 12, he takes his wife and his family. He takes his possessions down to Egypt. And the Pharaoh of Egypt looks at his wife and thinks she's a fox. Sarah must have been one bad woman because a Pharaoh wanted her and she was in her 80s at that time. Hang, hang with me now. Hang loose. Now, Pat Watson is a beautiful lady and she's pushing 90. But Sarah must have been something that would just, hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Because when Pharaoh saw her, he sent servants out and said, go get that woman. I want her in my harem. Go get her. And when Abraham found out that Pharaoh was looking at his wife, he said, let's do something here. I'm not going to call you my wife. I'm going to call you my sister. And she said, okay, I'll call you my brother. And so to get by the Pharaoh movement against Sarah, because Abraham thought if I claim her as my wife, he'll kill me and take her to wife. But if I call her my sister, he'll do what he has to do with her, and I'll still be a free man. Hallelujah. And it happened. That's in your Bible. Now, I know that I'm talking about Abe, and I'm bringing him down to 21st century. But he made a big goof there. But then he repeated it in Genesis chapter 20. Because in Genesis 20, they went to Gerar, G-E-R-A-R, and there was a king there named Abimelech, and Abimelech thought she was a hottie again. Wow, who's this woman? Sarah. Well, how old are you, Sarah? Well, they say I'm about 22. <laughs> but I'm really about 87. And he wanted her, and Abraham said, Sarah, we've got to do this thing again. We've got to call you my sister instead of calling you my wife. And so she called him brother. He called her sister because he thought again, if the king wants my wife, 
I cannot claim her as a wife because he will kill me to take her from me. And I know that I am the father of many nations. And so I've got to be around. So he didn't lie but once but twice. He told two fibs. Love you, Abe, but i got to be honest. It's in the Bible, so I'm preaching it today. And we get people in church sometimes that think because they make one little old mistake that God's going to cut them off and take them out. But I want, I want to preach something to you now. Now, you got to get this. Abraham wanted to be married to Sarah when it was convenient. And he wanted to be related to her when it cost him something. And there's a, oh, hallelujah. There's a lot of people that I preach to in Pentecost in this church service that want Jesus, they want to be married to him when everything's going good. But when they face a crisis, when they face something in the world and have to show their faith, they want to be related to him. Oh, I know about the Lord, you know, we got this thing, but I really don't know him, you know. I really don't know him. Let me tell you, if he's good enough to save you from a miry clay, if he's good enough to lift your heart up, he's great enough to claim on a Monday morning at the water cooler in your office. He's good enough to claim when you're out at the country club. He's good enough to claim when everybody around you don't speak the same language you speak. He's the God of gods no matter where you are. And I declare that if Jesus is good enough to save you and heal you and fill you with his spirit, he's great enough to claim wherever you go. Say amen to that. Don't say amen to me on Sunday morning and go out and say, well, you know, I go to a church over here. I, I can't think of the name of it. And the pastor, you know, he's a bald-headed kid, but he's a good guy. No, 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 no. I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm a child of the king. Can you clap for that right now? I belong to him. I belong to him. He's my Lord. So Christ sent people never declare their own agenda. They never declare their own gifts. They never declare their own genius. Instead, his disciples declare one thing and one thing only, the coming of the kingdom of God. Now, as, as a pastor this morning, in my process of thinking in, in Hawaii, and, and I know that sounds so ludicrous to think that I thought about things like this in Hawaii, but there was one passage of Scripture that I read and I thought about continually in Hawaii, continually, and I'm going to bring it to you today, and I'm going to preach these four points, and I'm going to let you go. But there was a writing in the book of Daniel that I've got to talk to you about today, a writing in the book of Daniel. And Daniel talked about a leader, a king named Belshazzar. Belshazzar was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar was in the lineage of greatness that God had for him. In fact, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that he was the head of gold in the image that was going to be built in this world. But Nebuchadnezzar got lifted up. He got proud. He got haughty. He got so much stuff that he forgot where it came from. Let me preach to you. And so Nebuchadnezzar was sent out into the fields and he ate grass like a beast. And for seven years, his fingernails grew long. And it was, it's a horrible story. Because he ate like the beast of the field because pride lifted him up and God had to bring him down to submit him back to his humility status. But Belshazzar was his son and Belshazzar was a good man also. But one night he started having a party. 
And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to parties. I enjoy parties. I enjoy having a good time with people. But this party went too far because what happened, they started drinking wine and then all of a sudden it wasn't good enough just to drink wine and just to have food. They wanted to bring something else to, to desecrate into the party. They, they got to a place where they were inebriated to a point where they said, you know, if we bring in the sacred vessels from Jerusalem that we took when we brought the children of Israel into captivity, bring those sacred vessels, let's drink out of them and show our contempt for the God of Israel. Let's show our contempt for what God is doing in, in their lives and in our hearts. And so they brought in the sacred vessels and they started pouring wine and they started having debauchery and parties with the sacred vessels that had come from the house of God in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there was a hand that wrote on the wall, many, many tinkle and just a hand out of darkness, no man, just a hand, and wrote a signal, many, many tinkle hufarsin. And the king got so shook that his knees trembled and his knees knocked. And it was an awesome moment. And he called for somebody. said, i got to have someone in here. Give me a magician. Give me somebody who can interpret what's on that wall. And they brought all kinds of men in. And nobody could read what was on that wall. And finally he said, is there anybody in the kingdom that can tell me what's on that wall? And they said, there's one man. And his name is Daniel. His wife said, his name is Daniel. He used to talk to your dad. And he used to interpret dreams for your dad. And he was a great, great dream interpreter. And he had the spirit of God and had a spirit of wisdom. And he... He had a spirit of peace on him. He was a good guy. He said, would you bring him in? He said, I'll bring him in. So he brought him in. And Daniel started talking to him. It's the whole fifth chapter of the book of Daniel. You'll read it when you get home. And Daniel comes in. He says, you know, your dad was a great guy. But he got lifted up with stuff. He got lifted up with things. And he forgot who gave him those things. Listen to me now. He forgot where they came from. And he said, so... God had to take him down, and God did. And he said, and the same thing is happening to you, Belshazzar. And he said, that handwriting on the wall, the many, many tekel ufarsen, that means you're weighing the balance and found warning, and your kingdom will be divided and given away. And you will no longer lead your kingdom. Now, here's what I want to tell you, folks. There's a lot of stuff right now. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world. Can I preach to you? Can I preach to the nation and just let you hear me? There's a lot of stuff going on in America right now that is scary. It's really scary. And I'm not trying to scare you because I'm not a scare tactic preacher. But I'm going to give you something today that will help you and give you a remedy for your needs in this hour. Because there's a lot of scary stuff going on right now. You know as well as I do. It's not just the economy. It's how we look at family. It's how we look at life. It's how we look at marriage. It's how we look at a lot of things. You know what I'm talking about. It's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things. And, 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 and now it seems like that the good is bad and the bad is good. And somebody's reversed the price tag. And somebody's switched. And the things that used to be expensive are no longer expensive. And the things that used to be cheap are all of a sudden elevated. And it looks like that we're losing a focus on where we're headed in this society. But God sent, Jesus Christ sent out 72 disciples one day and said, Go tell them the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God is at hand and it does not matter if they receive you or reject you I want you to go preach that there's a kingdom coming that's going to be greater than any kingdom that they've ever known in their life and if they have peace they'll receive me if they don't have peace dust your feet off and go on to the next community because I want you to preach the kingdom the kingdom of God so there's four things today I don't know if it's a long line or a short line but there's four things today that I've got to declare 
I must declare four things that are still sacred in the house of God, that are still sacred in America. And the first thing I declare today is that marriage is still a sacred thing in the hand of God. Somebody ought to help me right now. It's the first thing that God ever established a covenant with between a man and a woman. And marriage is still a beautiful, sacred thing in America. I don't care what people say about it. I don't care what news people talk about it. There is a word of God that says marriage still counts in God's kingdom. I, uh, I, uh, I was talking to some two precious kids the other day, Spencer Green and Erica Condra is getting married next Saturday, and I, I was counseling with them Friday night. We was having such a good time in visiting, and both of them work and have jobs, and they're going to be such great kids. They already are, but they're going to be a great married couple. They're good kids. And we was talking, and I said, you get any flack at, uh, at work about the living arrangements? They said, oh, yeah, Pastor, we get flack all the time. Now, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm, I'm just going to talk. I'm going to talk the Bible here today, okay? I'm declaring some things. Said, uh, they asked how long we've been living together. And we tell them we don't live together. And they said, oh, God, I hope it works. <laughs> and I'm not trying to hurt anybody that's doing that. I'm really not. But I'm telling you something. The marriage purity of life is being attacked by hell. And marriage is still a sacred vessel in the house of God. And it's not to be desecrated by anything that's called party time. God still believes that man and woman should love one another. And he committed a, co a covenant between the two in the Garden of Eden. And I still believe that that covenant still works today. Clap your hands and say thank God for marriage in America today. The second thing I must, I must declare is the second sacred vessel is the thing called family. I must declare that family still matters to God. Everybody say it's a sacred vessel. Hell's trying to tear our families apart with everything and anything, with foundations, with ideologies, with all kinds of things that we, we can't agree on anymore, the things that move and things that whether you're a Democrat, Republican, liberal, whatever, uh, conservative, it doesn't matter. What matters is simply this, that somehow we've got to get along as a family because hell wants to destroy your family because as the family goes in America, so goes America. And many people are losing value with family and saying family don't matter anymore. And mom, if you're coming to church by yourself with those kids, you count. Dad, if you're coming to church with those kids by yourself and you can't get wife to come, you still count. Because it doesn't matter if the whole family can't be here. If you're able to bring those kids, bring them to the house of God. It's an awesome thing for children to learn the word of God in the house of God. Family still matters. Would somebody help me preach today? Family still matters. I was over at my daughter's and my son-in-law's the other night, and we had a July the 5th cookout because Patty and I didn't get into July the 4th. We had a July the 5th cookout, and we was over at Brad and Cass's house, and we had sliders and them little old hamburgers. We're eating the little ones now. There's, you can eat more of them and not feel bad. I just ate two. 
I'm going to lose a bunch of weight. Y'all going to see me. I'm going to be skinny and bearded. <laughs> and, and, and so Cass said, Dad, you never seen us pray with Windsor. And I said, no, baby, I'd like to see that. So they, they took me in the bedroom, little Windsor. He turns his fan on. He gets up on a little stool and turns his fan on. He's got a little fan. The whole family, our whole family uses fans. We can't sleep unless there's a 747 roaring in our bedroom. <laughs> you could walk in my house and steal everything in the middle of the night. Just don't wake me up and don't turn my fan off or I'll get you. <laughs> but well, they knelt down and, then, and, and they knelt down and Cass started going through the litany of the prayer, you know, and God bless, bless mom and daddy and bless Sweet Pea and Bo and bless Mice and Pops and bless Jaron and Kate and bless uh, uh, Damon and, and Misty and bless... Connor and Caden and bless Matt and Kelly and bless, bless, bless them. Just blessed everybody. And then they said, amen. He said, amen. And he said, God's got a great life plan for me and I don't want to miss it. My kids are too old for that now, Pastor. No, they're not. You need to get on the phone and say, son, daughter, God's got a great life planned for you. and You don't need to miss it because the greatest thing in the world outside of marriage is family. You need family. God needs to have family in church. Come on. Let's rally with family this summer and show God that we can bring family to the house of God. Family, family, family. The third thing that is such a sacred vessel, what time is it? I don't want to go too late because... You folks are going to have to go beat the Baptist and the Methodist to the restaurant. <laughs> the third thing that I call sacred, hear me now, is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a sacred vessel. You know, there's a lot of things I can, I can listen to when somebody's cursing, but it's hard for me to hear somebody take the name of the Lord in vain. That's so tough because that's a sacred vessel. That's one of the most sacred things. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and are safe. And there's nothing like the name of the Lord because there's a lot of great prophets. There's a lot of great people in the world. Gandhi was great and Buddha was great and Muhammad was great. All those guys were great. They were great guys. And there's still great guys coming up in society and generations. But I'm telling you, the only saving name is Jesus. The only saving name is Jesus. You hear me? The only saving name is Jesus. So I declare today that we are not going to desecrate the sacred vessel of the name of the Lord Jesus in this church. Every Sunday we're going to elevate Jesus Christ because his kingdom is on this earth right now. Would you elevate him with me right now? Would you elevate him with me right now? The Bible said he inhabits the praise of his people. Would you elevate the Lord with me right now? Would you elevate the Lord with me? Would you elevate him right now? Would you elevate him? Come on. The name of the Lord saved you. The name of the Lord healed you. The name of the Lord delivered you. The name of the Lord sets you free. There's nothing like the name of the Lord. Oh, I could preach about him for a long, long time. But the fourth declaration I must make, not only marriage and family, the name of the Lord, but I must tell you that the sacred vessel of this hour is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And I make no excuses. I really don't. I don't make any excuses for the fact that I preach the Holy Ghost.
for the fact that I believe the Holy Ghost can change people's lives. For the fact that I believe the Holy Spirit is a thing that can move you from a sinner to a saint. From being demon-possessed to being demon-free. The Holy Spirit is, do, do, does a work in this world that only the Holy Spirit can do. And Almighty God has given us this gift called the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to operate and move. And I will tell you with no uncertainty here today that I am not going to be afraid to preach the sacred vessel of the Holy Ghost in this last hour. We are going to see people changed by the power of God. We're going to see lives arrested by the power of God. We're going to see lives move forward by the power of God because there's nothing greater, nothing greater that could ever happen than to you to have a relationship with the baptism of the Spirit of God in your life. Clap your hands all over the house and say amen to that. I'm preaching some declarations today because we have nothing to declare but God's grace and God's glory. We actually have everything to declare. That's why the Bible said, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. The Bible said, heaven declares the glory of God, Psalms 19 and 1. In fact, we have so much to declare that we must take the slow line sometime, the difficult line, because I will tell you this, it's not what you possess that hell wants to arrest and take away from you. It's what you know. You can be rich and increased with goods and never know the Lord, never have an issue with the enemy. But when you know that you know that God is on the throne and that God can take care of your life, you're going to have problems. There is a slow line that we're going to have to go through if we know some things because problems will come, situations will arise, things will come into our life that will try to stop us and trap us and hold us back from getting and gaining the victory that we need. There's a word called diabolus. It comes from dia, which means around through, and bolo, which means to throw. That's where we get the word ball. So literally, when you are a declare, you will be tossed about, thrown around, played with like a ball. Because diabolos literally means the one who throws things around. And that's what the father of lies does. He tosses you until you lose your vocation of sentness and your identity as a sent one. All hell wants to do is to give you problems and give you fits in your declaration at the line of custom. He wants to give you fits to a point where you'll say, what's the use? What's the use of even trying to live for God? But I promise you, once you understand that God is greater than all your problems, he's greater than all your sicknesses, he's greater than all your defeats, he's greater than all your difficulties, he's greater than anything in this life. When you realize that, it doesn't matter how long it takes, you're going to go to heaven one day, amen? It doesn't matter how long it takes, you're going to be with him one day. Because the kingdom of God is with us right now. It's with us right now. It's with us right now. So what are you declaring? What are you talking about? Which line will you take? Will you take the line of stuff or will you take the line of Savior? Will you take the line of things that I possess or take the line of things that I know? Things that I understand. And I declare today that marriage and family and the name of the Lord and the Holy Spirit are the most sacred things you could ever have in your life. And we need to hold on to them with all that's in us. Amen. So are you declaring 
Do you have anything to declare today? I think you do. I think everybody needs to declare, I'm a child of the king. I belong to him. I think everybody ought to declare, this God is my God. I think everybody ought to declare, I thank God that he's given me a good marriage. I thank God that he's given me a good family. I thank God that he's given me the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and I call him Lord. I thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost that's come into our generation and can change our life and can change our heart. And that's what a church truly must preach and declare in this last day. Amen. Amen. Those are sacred, and we will not party with them. We will not play with them, but we will keep them sacred in our life and in our heart. Would you stand on your feet right now all over the house? God is good. Amen? God is good. God is good. Well, I got through my first Sunday. Yes. <laughs> I want to tell you about last Monday, I was wondering... If I was ever going to do this anymore, I was so relaxed. I was so chilled. I was so blessed. Just the most lazy spirit got a hold of me. But I'm glad to be home today. I'm happy to see you today. I know many of you don't may not know this man that I hugged big when I came in, sat down, turned around, saw him. This guy right here on the third row, right here. His name's Dale Wainwright. He's like my brother. And uh, people like him, people like Royce, Ted, people that just absolutely love everything about God love everything about church, love everything about the kingdom. It's just so neat to walk up and just say, hey, and just hug them. I didn't think I'd see him today because they was out of town on vacation also, but they got home for church today. I want to share something with you. Papillon was a prisoner in a prison called Devil's Island years ago. True story. And he used to have this reoccurring dream that he was a sinner, that he was guilty, that he would never be purified, never be cleansed. And one night, he heard the judge say, how do you plead? And he said, I plead guilty. I plead guilty. And he said when he awoke from that dream, when he awoke from that dream that night, he said he was so burdened because he did not feel any release from the fact that he had pled guilty in his dream. But I will tell you that in the middle of summer right here at Christian Life Church, I will tell you this. You don't have to feel guilty the rest of your life. You may have reoccurring dreams that make you feel like that you're not good enough, but I promise you, God put you here today on purpose. Because he is here to save. He's here to heal. He's here to turn your life around. And you don't have to wear that guilt any longer. Because you've got a place today, a place of grace, a place of mercy where you can come and find release 
relief from your pain and your guilt. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Dear Father, I love you right now, and I thank you for the privilege of prayer. I thank you for the privilege of opening up our hearts to you and our minds and our spirits to you. And I know that the time is out and it's time to dismiss and it's time to go home. And I understand that, Lord. I really, really do. But I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray right now that if there's people that need healing in this house, if there's people, Lord, that need salvation in this house, if there's people, Lord, that need to come and pray the, the sinner's prayer and repent of all their sins right now, if there's people that need to be filled with your spirit today, Lord, whatever they need to have, if there's folks that need to be water baptized today, whatever they need today, Lord, and they're bold enough and brave enough to walk and walk and say, you know what? I'm not going to let hell put a guilt trip on me. I'm not going to wake up every day and feel like there's no remedy for this guilt that I'm feeling because there is a bomb in Gilead. There is a remedy. There is some help for a people in a church called Christian Life, and I believe that with all my heart today. And, Lord, if there's people that are bold enough and brave enough, I will stand here and pray with them till the last person walks out because I want to see their life rearranged and touched by the hand and by the power and the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus right now. So if you want to walk this aisle right now, I'll pray with you. I'll ask God to help you. We're going to dismiss the church in just a little bit and let you go home if you want to go home. But if somebody needs prayer, if you want to come right now. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.